welcome to Thirsty Smurfing Thursday! How's everybody doing? Uh, welcome aboard the Soul Train. My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor. Martin! And uh, alongside me, we have Ryan and Man Ray Eno, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for tuning in with me tonight. We have a guest of honor as well. We got T Swizzle T Pain in the house. Uh, he's He's joining us as well. Uh, in the meantime, a uh, couple couple things. We're going to do a little housekeeping before we get started here. Uh, in the background, we're talking about moving uh, Thirsty Thursday to a different day of the week. It could be, uh, uh, what, what was it? Sloppy Wet Wednesday, um, uh, <laughs> Two-Fisted two Tuesday. We, Bigger lots, Bang Friday. Call it tickle me, tickle me Tuesday. Tickle me Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was look like it's looking, I think, I think based on the feedback from Ray and, and, you know, Ryan, Ryan is, is smoked on Thursdays too. And that's kind of a situation I keep running into is that, you know, we have a certain of a production quota that we have to hit every week, right? Manufacturing wise. And that's why I look like hell right now. And, uh, and, uh, we, we try to get off at a reasonable time on, on Friday. And so we, we would prefer to work until midnight on Thursday to get off at three o'clock on, on Friday because we're broken. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. We will get that sorted out and we'll confirm with everyone, but it's looking like it might be Wednesday. Well, then and also mm, yeah. coming up next week <laughs> is uh, it's February 15th. It's Thursday. We're actually going to take next Thursday off because, yep. guys, mm-hmm. right? It's the day after Valentine's Day, which means it's actually uh, Come Rag Appreciation Day. That's right, because everybody needs a good, soft, absorbent Come Rag the day after Valentine's Day. So we sell good Catholic I thought, so I thought there's, it's uh it's it's all I thought, internal. I thought the fifteenth was always a uh how shall I say those aren't tears under an ice pack day. Yeah. That wasn't that I, I always thought that the the fifteenth was an ice pack day, Ryan. I've got my yeah, rosary. You know, you know. That's I'm actually right. it's actually <laughs> it's also vasectomy appreciation day too. <laughs> this is an odd conversation, but this is a rosary my, my mom gave me, and it's one of my prized rosaries. I'll always keep that. Interesting. Wow. Where are we going with this? I don't know. Who am I? Oh, God. Uh, I really do need to say hello, Mary, after that. Uh, anyway, hey, Pain, welcome. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here. Uh, so talk to us. Talk to us a little bit about yourself. Oh, real quick, I was going to say, this is going to be in podcast format, Spotify, all that other fun shit. Uh, so talk to us. Tell me about you. Tell me about your company. How long you've been doing this, and uh, why? Why are you on the camera chatting with us tonight? <laughs> okay. Well, my name is Taylor Ronk. Um, I'm the owner and operator of the original Long Guys. We are a premium weed control fertilization company in uh, Savoy, Illinois. Um, I've called in a couple times. I, I, you guys are probably more familiar with Champagne, Illinois, Fighting Illini. Yep. Yeah, uh, Savoy is basically just a sister town, and we we um, we service Champagne, Savoy, Urbana, and a couple more uh, surrounding areas. Um, so last year is when it was last March was the conception of the company. Um, before that, I was a union landscaper, and I I was always uh, I feel like this is said a lot but i was always um very very interested in turf and especially really uh i I guess i dove deeper in it when 
me and my wife bought our first house. Um, that's when I really started to get interested in it. And uh, I was already doing construction work, doing union landscape work. And, you know, you can only last so long as a labor, a union labor before your knees blow out, before, you know, your elbows are shot. You know, and I'm, I, 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 I want to be the grandpa who's, you know, playing catch with his grandkids, you know, when I'm older. I don't want to be, you know, my dad has bad shoulders and he can't, you know, he can't barely even move his shoulders anymore. And, you know, good health doesn't run in my family on the, uh, on the, uh, on the male side. So I knew I wanted, I knew I wanted to, to get out of that somehow. I couldn't do 35 years of that. And I always, I did, I just never thought that starting a company would happen so quickly. But I finally did make the leap last year, me and my business partner. Um, we got the website up and running. I think it was November last year. And then by March, our social media was up and running, face, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and the website. And we took off. I mean, it was, I mean, it was crazy how, how fast uh, the community around here responded uh, just from running a few campaign ads, that was it. I mean, last year we only ran a few. It was maybe, maybe two or three campaigns on Facebook, and then it was mm -hmm. by June we were we, we were well over fifty clients already that had signed us, and then by November we were seventy plus clients, which, which to me is 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 amazing. It was it was definitely a blessing. Um, we. As a company, we we definitely are not we're, we're low volume. Um, I want to keep it that way. Uh, like I said, I really I really want to keep it on the premium side of things. Uh, our program in particular that we ran last year and are going to continue to run this year was which was very successful. Um, we we do more of a semi spoon feeding approach. So instead of, you know, coming out with five apps or six apps, we have eight apps spread out throughout the season, smaller amounts oh, of nitrogen. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and it, golly, I mean, I tell you what we have, you know, not to name any names, but the companies around here really have done a not so good of a job <laughs> for many years. Mm. I mean, there's a couple of good companies mm. around you know, and mm -hmm. and I when we first bought our house, moving in our neighborhood, the houses are beautiful. The houses are beautiful, but the lawns were not. Uh, they good. Weren't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, not for good, sure. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and with me, I my front lawn, I keep my, I have own greens mowers, and I keep my lawn at four tenths of an inch. Well, roughly effective cutting heights, probably you know, closer to three quarters of an inch, but I keep. I keep my lawn very nice. I, 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 I really do have a passion for this. And I knew, I knew that if I, once I got to the door and I got to talk to the person, once I got to come out for the estimate, all they would have to, I would tell them, listen, just get back me and get behind this. And I promise you, you are going to see results. And before I knew it, I mean, I mean, this, this year we plan on doubling, hopefully tripling, um, but our cap, we really want to keep our cap low. Like I said, we, we definitely want to continue to be low volume. That way we can maintain the quality. As of right now, it's just me and my business partner, Andy. And uh, 
shout out to Andy. You know, he, I mean, without, without, without Andy, this, this would have never happened. Um, my wife as well. Uh, she's been so supportive throughout this whole, this whole, uh, experience. She's been able to, she's been the backbone, uh, financially, you know, because I was last year, uh, we were, I was doing union landscaping, getting off, spraying, mowing, and doing all of that. And I was really hoping, you know, that we at some point last year that we were going to, I was going to be able to break free and just go full time. And towards the end of the season last year, we were able to do that. And it was, it was great. Um, Hell yeah. 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 Yes. It's been amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, Oh, I'm, by the way, too, I'm very, listen, I'm very awkward on camera. I do not do well. <laughs> Dude, you're fine. You're, you're doing fine. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Jumpy, let me know. Bring me back. Bring me back in, and I'll I'll try to cover as much as I can. Um, no, you're good. Like, I think I think it's a, right. a, a perfect intro, um, and what what I appreciate most about that is the uh, the number of times that you just had to say, all right, it's time to take a leap of, leap of faith, right? Uh, yeah. And I think as a business owner, getting better at taking that leap of faith, you know, you, you, you take the data you have, you put it out in front of you in an organized way that you make sense of it. And then you make your best educated decision on what's going to happen. And there's a risk to award ratio with every decision you make. And you, at the end of the day, though, you have to make the decision and it either works or it doesn't. And, uh, and that's awesome that to this point it has, and that you were able to, to collect on, uh, some, uh, uh, early growth, right? I think, yeah. uh, your model is interesting because it's not common. That's a, that's a very atypical model, right? right. And right. what I know of your area is that you probably have what a, uh, you maybe have an eight month growing season where you are. Uh, so yeah, I, I would maybe. guess you go dormant in into november and then you're probably not greening up till when mid-march oh man i well it just depends i were really it's i would say even closer to to april yeah end of march april was when really things really start popping off but i mean i was last year i was actually mowing um and this was my lawn and i know our a couple of our clients lawns were still growing in november but nope. yeah, nope. I mean, so you're you're looking at anywhere from the end of end of March of when we're starting all the way through November, uh, probably mid November, I would say. It does so, get cold so up solid, here, solid eight months of growing season and doing eight apps in that. I don't know too many people that are doing eight apps up north. Um, yeah, yeah, and that. No, so you. what I like about that is that 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 gives you a visit per month, right? And, yes, uh, yes. and when you are on a, a, uh, uh, the type of schedule that allows you to make a visit per month, it kind of opens up your, your flexibility of what you can do for each visit. And then also, um, you know, in the, in the event you want to add additional programs, uh, whether, whether it be through upsells or however you want to add it. Now I, I know one of the questions you, you are going to have is uh, growth regulars and we can talk about that, but it, it becomes mm -hmm. an easier an easier add-on to what you're doing when you're running a monthly application monthly. schedule versus every mm -hmm. four to six weeks. Because what happens is that when you do every four to six weeks, four to six weeks turns into six to eight weeks. I don't care yeah. who you are. Yep. That always ends up happening. And, uh, and if you're trying to do something like trend pack on, on an eight week mm -hmm. schedule, 
it's never going to work. Yeah. Right. And so then you have to sell it as an upsell, but you're in Atlanta, Georgia. And based on your grown degree days, you're hitting rebound in 21 days. And, uh, and you're like, well, I sold it as a monthly application, but I'm hitting rebound on 21 days. What, what's, what's wrong? What do I do? And, uh, and it, it just, it, it makes the, the applicator look bad, even though they're, they're making a calculated risk decision, right? I'm going to add this to my program. I, this is what the reward is. And, you know, this is what differentiates me from the competition. However, through my own set of limitations, I'm limiting the results that I can get because I didn't set it up correctly. So I like, I like what you're doing immediately from the get-go. Control growth is another thing that I think is difficult. I don't know what that means, right? And, uh, and I'm, I'm saying that lovingly and, and uh, uh, self-deprecating. I'm not good at controlling growth. When I'm in the mood to grow, it is, buddy, I, you're, you're <laughs> going to have to tie me down with lead weights because I can't slow down. Uh, and then when I'm not in the mood, you know, I'm 100% turn off. All I know is 100 or zero. I have no 50. I have no 75, I have no 25. And, uh, and so, you know, getting, uh, getting your feet wet. And I think, you know, where you are, if you're at 70 clients and you want to, you want to triple it, you want to get to 210, you know, that, that gives you 105 lawns a piece to treat. That's doable. Right. And especially in a, on a monthly schedule, uh, if you're doing, you know, 10 lawns a day, there's 20 working days, you know, that gives you plenty of downtime uh, that allows you to slow down across the day. Uh, you know, as for an example, in, in a volume lawn care situation, you probably need to be at 20 lawns per working day, right? And uh, so uh, 100 a week, a technician is doing 400 a month, right? Or uh, if, you, if you've got really good route density, maybe you're doing 600 a month. Right. And you've got you've got a total of 800 on your on your route that, that you maintain. Um, we we typically did 600 uh, per per technician on, on a route. Right. And I've run a couple of routes that were significantly higher than that. And it's balls of the wall, full throttle, you know, all the time. And uh, and I was I was just talking to a guy in the discord earlier today about about this is that, you know, you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a similar skill set, but it's a different skill set because then you're having to hone in on efficiency. Efficiency has to be the primary backbone of what you do. However, in your particular situation, it gives you more flexibility, more time, uh, to be able to apply more of this. Right. And, uh, and I don't care what anyone says. Um, the reality of the situation is, is that when you're applying more of this, uh, that is also equal output as your efficiency. Therefore, you should be paid for it, right? And it's just you're being paid in different ways. Are you being paid for efficiency? Or are you being paid for the mental acuity that you're putting into it, right? So uh, if your goal is longevity in the industry and being able to uh, spend time with your family and um, uh, not have blown out knees and backs and uh, skin cancer and everything else by the time you're 55 yeah. then you're you're making a very wise decision that you know i have i have zero pushback on whatsoever and i and to, and to be clear too like when i say triple that you know i might get where i'm stopping is when i start getting the feel that you know quality is going to be affected so it might not even be 210 it, it, it might be much less than that because at the end of the day this is something that i'm doing because i love i absolutely sure. love it mm -hmm. it's a passion of mine i mean I, I i my business partner i can tell you right now he is so sick of me talking about grass i think when we started this company 
when we started this, yeah, yeah. When we started this company, I, I think he probably assumed that I would stop because me and him worked together as union landscapers as well. And it was constant. And I, I've annoyed my kids. I've uh, annoyed my wife to the to the max. I mean, I, it's even like my kids will seriously avoid conversation with me when I'm coming from outside, <laughs> inside. Any any word that starts with the letter G gives them PTSD. They sure. run. Yes, absolutely. you run. Oh, right. So at the end of the day, this is this is something that I you know I, I'm doing this because I absolutely love it. I love the the complexity of it. I love how it forces me to one be patient, two go off of go off of the data that I'm collecting, whether it be visually or from soil tests, soil testing. Um, it's just something I want. It's something that I want to do for a long time and enjoy doing it. So, you know that. <laughs> really, I mean, honestly, if we were at 125 clients, I'd be so happy with that. I'm happy where I'm at now because I, as long as you my know, clients are happy with my work, you know, that's why I do it. And here's the corollary that I need to throw in here immediately, because. You're kind of speak. You are definitely speaking my language, all right, Taylor. You're speaking my language because I'm not interested in doing 400 lawns a month, yeah. all right. Not interested. But the difference is, is I do, or in my world is what is called almost concierge lawn and landscape maintenance. You know, because I'm essentially on call just about any day of the week. I mean, Ryan and Matt know that. I mean, I, I'm almost on call. However, lawn service from me doesn't cost no $10 per thousand square foot. Okay, it doesn't. And in your case, if you are not doing 400 lawns a month and at that low price per thousand square foot, then the thing that has to give is people should not expect to pay you what they pay these guys that sling whatever every eight weeks and call it good. Because uh, Jay Pink shared with me uh, some background info on you and you know what? You are not the guy slinging whatever every eight weeks. You are doing a slightly more precision program. Yeah. So, and because you're doing a precision program, you don't you don't get paid what the eight week fellas get paid. Throw that out right. already. That's gone. <laughs> right. Right. Let's yeah. let's go ahead and break into some of these questions. And uh, so he, he had four kind of kind of talking points here. We'll kind of go through these one by one. Uh, number one, uh, first question is: is how to cost effectively use growth regulation uh, growth regulators in our in our program? And there's I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this very clear, right? What you're gonna hear from us tonight is one way to skin a cat. There's a dozen ways. To skin oh a cat. yeah, uh, and, mm -hmm. and there's there's multiple different AIs that you can use for growth regulation, and so. Just what you hear tonight, again, this is not gospel. 
there's there's a dozen different ways to get there and uh people that are well, listening I, at home don't, you're gonna hear i, I think the the thing that the, here's one thing that i think is important to note when we talk about this especially when we talk to people like taylor is that when we tell you this stuff this isn't because we were sold on something or we believe in something without you know testing or trying this yes. is literally uh what is it like a collective eight decades of repeatedly fucking shit up and learning from it <laughs> i'm just telling i mean i'm just trying i'm not trying to be crass or rude i'm just saying like that yeah <laughs> when we share this stuff i think it's often looked at as well those guys are just drinking the kool-aid man you know it's not that it's that we are trying to be your turf dads right and uh tell you about all the disappointment that's come from our life of screwing things up and hopefully make your life better because of and get off my lawn mm-hmm. as a matter of fact get, get <laughs> off my lawn. um and, and uh, let's let's get this out of the way because i know this is this will be someone's comment be like well i've used granular growth regulator and it's always worked for me oh uh, it, it worked for you because you've never done anything else right uh, and typically what you see in granular is going to be Trinax pack apple, uh, spars to onto a prill. And, uh, mm-hmm. one of, one of the, one of the, the easiest things to note about that is that if you, if you want that to be effective, you need to move what is sparged onto that prill across the surface area of the leaf. Okay. So you have to move the wrapper on the granule across the surface area of the leaf. That sounds easy <laughs> in words, but in reality, it's not very efficient. Okay. There's a lot of things that can go wrong in that scenario. Uh, for instance, if you irrigate too hard, uh, you, you, you get, you like, Hey man, I got a half inch rainfall and a half inch of rainfall falls in four and a half minutes afterwards you're like well <laughs> did it adhere to the leaf Oops. or did it not i uh, i'm about 99 percent nope. certain there was no leaf adhesion that took place there right uh so let's get get this out of the way granular growth regulators uh compound sand there's nothing about it that anyone in a professional sense ever needs to consider um and if anybody wants to write in and tell us that they're they're great uh just save it email email it to driver or something don't don't <laughs> save that, save that from us. okay now on the other side of that is that let's let's talk you've got and uh i'm, I'm not going to suggest using these two but just in terms of explanation uh you know two two different methodologies right you have you know like a foliar absorb product and then you have like a root absorb product and uh and so we can say trend pack and uh what is what is one that's going to move to the roots that's uh drawing a blank on it it's not labeled pack fluoroprimidol fluoroprimidol and the reason why i didn't mention paclo is paclo is uh, yeah, yeah specifically restricted to golf and industrial turf only you get caught spraying that on a residential lawn uh kiss your ass goodbye because you're in violation of the label even in tennessee yeah uh (laughs) (laughs) so uh they're both playing on gerberic acid pathways right and uh and gerberic acid is going to be the hormone that is effectively telling the plant to go reach for the sun right so as uh you know the leaf is elongating and it's using nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium and all your micronutrients and water 
and it is going for the light, right? And that's, and that's what makes plants really tall and long and elongated. So if you're applying something that's going to inhibit, have an inhibitory effect on gerbalic acid, um, it's still going to have all those other physiological processes, but the rate at which it reaches for the sun is going to be subdued uh, because you're subduing the hormone that uh, signals to the plant to do that, right? So that, in effect, is, is what we're doing. Now, as you are decreasing the amount of leaf surface area, right? So you have a leaf that is this long versus a leaf that is this long. You have a lot more surface area here than you do here, right? Uh, and that if you are elongating or increasing the amount of surface area, there is a certain, logically speaking, uh, a, a, a greater rate of nutrient demand to uh, to build all those various tissues through physiological processes and biochemical processes, right? And uh, and so, in effect, by inhibiting gibberellic acid, you're going to retard a lot of that requirement of the plant. Not a lot, but a, a portion of it will be will be uh, uh, diminished uh, because that elongation, that development of plant tissue, all that has been uh, uh, receded in, in effect. So Killed, now yes. that we know how that works is, is just like a general baseline, right? Now we want to incorporate it into a program in the most cost effective. How do we maximize our ROI by including growth regulators in our program? Okay. We know that there could be, and this, I think this is uh, a question that deserves uh, uh, exploration. There could be a, an ROI on reduced input costs. Um, uh, assuming that you can make your timing right. Uh, you have an ROI on uh, the amount of mowing that has to take place. I, t Taylor, do y'all do mowing? Yes. Yep. Yep, we do. Oh, wow. Okay. Perfect. Oh, boy. Okay. okay. So you've yeah, got a, you've got a yeah. second piece of ROI there. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and, and so now we can start applying economics to it, and we can do that from the standpoint of both AIs uh, and, and costs related to it. Or... Would this be another situation where combining AIs would be uh, beneficial as well, too? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Whoever wants to talk. About <clears throat> that me. Oh, was okay. that? Oh, that was a question. Okay. 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 Uh -huh. Ryan, you first, because I know you deal with this <laughs> on sports fields. I deal with this on uh, shortcut uh, turf that has no earthly business in a residential lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So a few things. Um, I think that especially if you're mowing, there's an absolute use case for this. I think the first delineation that you need to make within your customer space is those that are irrigated and those that are not irrigated. Okay. Right. Um, the second delineation I would make is turf types, right? So particularly slower growing uh, species like fine fescue, if you have any fine fescue lawns, I would stray away from or stay away from you know, PGRs in those cases, right? So basically what we're trying to do is kind of stratify your customer base and say, okay, hey, these are the A's or whatever, right? These are the ones that are all in and they're going to be all year long because they're irrigated. They're, uh, you know, stronger grasses, you know, uh, newer grasses, ones that are more predisposed to, you know, high growth rates, right? When we fertilize them, especially when we're doing it every week or so, or every uh, four weeks, I should say. And um, we need to have greater degree of control on these, right? The ones that aren't irrigated, those ones are probably going to be, you know, probably a spring only program. Maybe you could, uh, you know, make the case for the fall. But at that time, you know, the only thing I would see or use case in those situations, particularly unirrigated, 
for fall applications of PGR would be uh, if you're going to seed them, okay? Use that as a competitive advantage tool to kind of pull back on the existing grass, seed in with new grass, right? The last ones are, again, the, the ones that um, have grasses. Again, fine fescues is definitely uh, a range of species that we would see that there's probably no benefit to using those at this time, right? Uh, especially if they're older cultivars and things like that that uh, aren't the the newer genetics that they're night and day difference right so anything that we do to slow those older genetics Hell down yeah. is only going to make it worse oh yeah um jesus <laughs> that one was bad um we can read it later uh anyhow but the point being is that if, if we do this so how many or what percentage of your customers are irrigated versus non-irrigated let's just start there well, I would say that that's one of the that's one of the I would say issues that I that I do I did have this past season. I would say it's a little less than half that are really good at irrigating their lawns. Um, I would say the ones that do that that are, that do irrigate they have they have taken my advice and they've taken I, I've sent many emails and they do follow directions to a T. Um, but I would say out of you know. I would say maybe 30 lawns, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that, and as far as fine fescues too, we don't have, um, a majority of our lawns are bluegrass. Um, we have a few turf type tall fescues, but other than that, it's, it's bluegrass. And that was one of the other things I was, I was wondering because we do have in, in, in Champaign, there, we, there's a lot of uh, old neighborhoods shaded. And mm-hmm. I was always interested in, you know, growth regulators in shady areas mm-hmm. like areas that talk. are not getting you, you know what i mean areas talk. that are not getting as much sunlight. yeah okay. because i do that's the thing it's like some of these areas are so shaded that you know i, I mean i could overseed with uh ryegrass every year but um these lawns are you know these lawns that are heavily shaded are already low nitrogen we you know i i we don't we don't slam them with nitrogen like the rest of our lawns. Um, and I was wondering if, 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 if growth regulators would do some good in a situation like that. Um, but as far as your point, yeah. Yep. I can speak to that point for sure because in my case, I deal with these lawns that have Norsley business being where they are. And intelligent use of a PGR, a plant growth regulator, or combinations of plant growth regulators makes all the difference in the world. And that is in tandem with what you're already doing, which is called nitrogen reduction. I mean, this this may seem counterintuitive to a lot of people, but I'd like to point something out is when you're dealing with turf grass in a shadier area or area that's not getting as much sun, your need for nitrogen is lower versus if that turf were in full sun. That's something that I'd like to kind of put out there for our listeners is this is a case of being actually smart about your fertilizer. One size doesn't fit all. And you may do well to like take a look at those shadier areas and pull back on the on the nitrogen a little bit 
with the that's it <laughs> with, to come with back on your question, Ryan, so half of them half of our lawns i would say a little less than half are really well at irrigating and uh-huh. i would say maybe a quarter of our lawns have the shade issues so mm-hmm. yeah okay. Okay. real so, quick i'm just gonna say on a on a growth regulator standpoint and in shady areas right and again you know when we're when we're talking about growth regulators and you're you're you know re, uh inhibiting gibberellic acid it's looking for light but it can't find light right and uh you know that's that's going to create another whole host of issues there if it's not constantly having to search for light because gerolic acid is not telling it to search for light. You're kind of mitigating that uh, uh, loss proposal there that the plant is, you know, involuntarily going through. Um, I have seen benefit from it. Uh, is it is it going to be the difference between you growing grass that is? I, I, let, let me let me put it this way. If you lose 50% of the grass every year that's overseeded, you're only going to lose 25%, maybe. If you're if you're losing 25%, you're probably going to lose 15%. Uh, if you're losing 100%, you're, you'll probably lose 100%, <laughs> but it, it'll last a little bit longer into the season. So it's not a smoking gun, but if it's one more thing in addition to that is going to a noticeable difference that hopefully the customer can see and understand too, especially if you can document it with pictures and show them, you know, Hey, look here, you had 50% less coverage this time last year. However, on this program, you now have 50% more coverage. See, this is, this is a good investment. Yeah. And, and you know what I, I, these, the, the shady lines that we do have, have made tremendous, uh, tremendous leaps since, since our clients have hired us and I, my thought process into that is most likely whoever they had, cause they did have providers before. Uh, most likely those providers were just throwing down the same amount of nitrogen in those areas. Over fertilizing, over fertilizing. A shady lawn. Yeah. yeah. Over fertilizing. Uh, Ryan is G for grow L for lush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, keep keep going with your train of thought. Though. I just I wanted to to jump in and just well, no no you're fine. I, I wanted to see if I could find. I'm looking for a, a slide here that um I have somewhere in my notes buried here about you know what uh, what the use of um PGRs and shade does. I'll see if I can dig that up here in a minute. Yeah. Drink. Yeah, it Anyhow, is. Uh... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, no, you go. It is what. Uh, uh I was just going to buy time to let you dig up that slide. Uh, oh no, the... no, keep, I'll, I'll I'll keep doing it after I talk here. But so okay, so we're in we're into talking about you know uh, irrigated versus non irrigated. So with those customers that have irrigated turf, obviously those are probably where you have your biggest challenges with mowing. I imagine, right? Um, yes. And, mm-hmm. and so those are the ones that I would focus on. You know. When you're looking at incorporating something like this, you know, I always like dividing up the use cases because every lawn that everybody has in their client base is never the same, right? The same, but you can yeah, you can sit there and chop them up into as large or small of buckets as you want, right? When you're a you know one or two man show, bigger buckets make sense, right? Because then you can kind of shift between whether it's by route, by house, whatever the case might be. 
you have a little bit of leeway to say, okay, hey, I can generally group these this way, and I generally know that these tools are available to me, and PGRs would be one, and irrigated, uh, typical cool season grass, again, tall fescue or Kentucky bluegrass in those settings, okay? So here's a few things, you know, on PGRs and, and rates and timing. You know, that one month time span, especially in the summertime, is going to be a little problematic, right? Because we know that uh, the way that these uh, that the way that these PGRs behave inside the plant is such that as temperature goes up, they degrade faster. Okay, so I think what you're going to see here, and this is why stacking these chemistries could be beneficial in your case of having you know whether you roll your own or you buy a premix right of uh, a couple different ones. This the, that is a strategy that I think can help get you to closer to a month it won't always be a month and then the other thing to you know realize here too is that on the back end of these you know you're going to get what's known as the rebound effect right so as that wanes off to a certain point right uh in terms of um reducing growth it's going to bounce back up quite a bit right over what a normal growth rate would be so uh a, you know a couple things here would be if you wanted to roll your own i think um the new product and Primo together is a really, really sound combo. I know even Ray Ray uses that out there on warm season. I use it here quite a bit on cool season. Um, and it, it's never been easier to do it now because they now make a new in a liquid form. Okay. So that all being said, you know, the, the um, amplitude, like how much these chemicals regulate, is a little bit different and then the length of time that they last right so the um residual on them essentially uh, is a little bit different too so whereas uh primo or tnex you know has a higher amplitude but a shorter dur duration or residual and a new is not quite as high as an amplitude it doesn't control as much growth right but it's also got a longer residual in that line that curve is a little bit flatter for a little bit longer uh, as it um, reduces growth so that all being said, I mean, how were you thinking of deploying these and how do you think you want to roll this out? Does it make sense to, you know, do every property, you know, this spring coming out of the gate? Because in that case, you know, you can roll it out and try it. But then are you going to continue in the summer on the irrigated lawns? Are you going to kind of play it by the weather? What are your thoughts there based on what you've heard and what you know or what questions you have around that? Well, if I did come out with it in the spring, um yeah i mean really with me i i would have to you know i would only feel comfortable going you know if i were to go through the summer it would definitely have to be through the irrigated lawns um but yeah. i don't even know i mean i i don't know i i this has been something that i've thought about um quite a bit i just didn't it, it was one of those things where i just didn't even know um I, i'm used to using trinexal pack on my own lawn okay but okay. I, i'm mm -hmm. I'm at my own lawn every day. Um, I can go out and I, I and I I was using the Greenskeeper app until they started making people pay for it. But um, <laughs> so yeah, I started using uh, the Growing Degree um, model that Syngenta has, um, mm -hmm. which seems to work pretty well. Um, yeah. But I haven't. It, growth regulators hasn't been necessarily something that I'm like I I, I need to start doing this. Um, it's just been something that I, I've been interested in and possibly uh, bringing to the table. Um, 
So I don't know. I really don't know. I'd have to think well, on that. Well, so here, okay. let me let me give you this as a as a tangible way of putting it into practice, right? You know, you mentioned a couple of things. One, your comfort factor of using it because you have used it on your own lawn. And the reason that you are comfortable is because you can see it every day. Now, let me ask you this. Is that just in terms of response and understanding, you know, how it looks day seven versus day 21? Or is that a, hey, if something goes south, maybe I can I can do something to fix it. Is it one or the other or both? Well, I think my main concern would be you 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 mentioned it just a couple minutes ago, which was the rebounding. I really okay. want to I really want to avoid that at all costs. Just because I know that that is not healthy for the plant to be constantly, you know, yo-yoing back and Bouncing. forth. Bouncing. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Taylor, this is where I know everybody goes gaga over Trinexapac. They think they're Fabulous because, or there's something special because they're using Trinexapac. But in my program, Trinexapac has a special place. Knowing that Trinexapac or Tenex shuts down growth hard and then goes away quickly. And where I'm at, a Trinexapac application can go away as quickly as. 14 days. Yeah. If. Mm -hmm. And when I say at 14 days, that is at rates that leave the turf grass commercially acceptable. Because you can, according to the label, if you need prolonged regulation, shut that turf grass down super hard. However, you will have to explain to your clientele why their lawn looks yellow or purple. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So having said that, what I do in this case is I keep in mind, this is how Trinexapac acts. This is how a new acts. And then I put in a third PGR known as Fluorprimidol or Cutlass. And Cutlass is very different because Cutlass can shut down growth or or regulate very profoundly. But the way it does it is very different because fluorprimidol or cutlass goes through the roots of the grass and its effect can be extended over as long as 30 to 45 days or even 60 days if you're applying at very high rates. But then, again, do not do very high rates of cutlass because the problem with cutlass is that if something goes wrong, you're committed to that for the next 60 days. So what I typically do is I remember that Trinexapac can slow down growth very profoundly. I remember that a new actually takes effect as a PGR the fastest out of these two that I mentioned. And then I keep in mind that cutlass generally takes effect and starts regulating growth seven to 10 days after it was initially applied. So what happens when you apply all three in appropriate, at appropriate rates to turf grass? 
You can then get very smooth but very profound regulation that then will last over a 30-day application cycle. And of course, the, the other factor is this degree of growth regulation is only to be done on lawns that are irrigated. Because may I ask you, what do your non-irrigated lawns do, say, in June and July growth-wise? How do they act? They stand still. Okay. They, okay. <laughs> And so, yeah. and so, logically, common sense will tell you that if your turf grass is not growing, that's an example of turf that doesn't need treatment with a plant growth regulator. On the other hand, if you have clients that are extremely religious about watering, and they will keep that water going, and that damn lawn grows uh, six inches in one week, that is your plant growth regulator candidate. And by the way, that is literally what I deal with because in my business, I get into these little conversations with my clients where I tell them, okay, we can water this lawn more. We can up the nitrogen rate more so that the lawn is even greener. However, do you have an extra room that I can move into at your house? Because <laughs> I'm going to yeah. be mowing that dang lawn every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, okay, yeah we, have, then, we do have a few of those lawns too. That are, I mean, they're just, it's yeah. crazy to grow like wildfire. Okay, and, th and that would be, for example, a lawn that grows that rampantly mm -hmm. is literally one where you should consider singling those out. And those are the lawns where you consider that you know mix of PGRs that are going to profoundly regulate. Okay, that's that's the one. And then of course for routine, you know, regulation of say lawns where the people aren't insisting that their lawn get high nitrogen rates and a lot of water, but they, they do still irrigate but then very minimally. Those are the lawns, for example, that I can do this with them where they get a low rate of anew, and they get a moderate rate of cutless, and that just smoothly regulates them for the month. But then the people that are, for example, really laying down the, the spurs on the water and the lawn is growing like mad, uh, those are the lawns that literally get all three plant growth regulators in one application. I mean, that, and by the way, I've even leveraged that to my advantage where my joke with everybody on the Discord and on this uh, panel is before I come and see them in October, the lawns that are like that, and you know, make that everybody's lawn, gets cutless anew and Tranexapac in October. That way I can see everybody at the end of the month in Louisville. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard you talk about that. I've, I've heard you talk about that before. It, you know, and, and during that point, I, I got a lot of episodes to catch up on since last year. Man, I've missed so many, missed so many episodes. I've Wait, maybe watched. Speaking of that, J Pink, do we have this clip? I think it's you that called in and yep. talked about 
a, yeah. a, a landscape that was like the windows from the this new yeah. building were like frying it out. J Pink frying play it, the, yeah. torching the play the yeah, play the video. The grass, you know? I yeah, think yeah, I gave sure. you the most sound advice I've ever given anybody right in well over <laughs> two hundred episodes of the show. J Pink, yeah, play it. Okay, so the last thing I'm going to offer you this guy is this. I want you to go down to fucking Sunglass Hut and I want you to buy 6,000 square feet of Ray-Ban, put them on the lawn and go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah. yeah, I love that. That'll be $200. You see, I can always count on Ryan Always count on Ryan to say <laughs> something nice and then tell people to go fuck themselves. Yeah, for sure. That's a great way. To, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great way to live. Great way to live. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I just wanted to make sure because I recognize your voice and I'm like, this is the yeah. guy. The yeah, sunglasses. This is yeah. him. Yeah. This, this, yeah. this is a sunglass hat, dude. <laughs> Did that work? Hopefully it worked. Huh? Listen, I, I heard we, yeah, after that it was, well, we, what we did was, this was back when I was still union landscaping. The shit went south. We ended up having we ended up reseeding again and left it alone because the engineers weren't trying to hear anything. I mean, they were not listening. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, the engineers and the architects. Let it go. Yeah, yeah. I actually have yeah, pictures. But, and, I, and you know, I, you know, and and you know what, Taylor? At that point, uh, what I tell people that are have their minds set on something like that is, okay, we'll do this one last time. But after that, yeah, I put it on them to go find somebody that's going to give them a different result because we are done here. Yeah, okay, for sure. And I took, done. Your advice that, I, mean, I took your advice that time, too, because I believe you did say something about that. And I had already, I mean, it was like, <laughs> so I mean, it, it was serious. It was they weren't listening. And I took your advice mm -hmm. on that. Once once we went back and seated, we were done. One last time. One. It's like. Yeah. Bye, Felicia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let, let's switch gears here for a second. I just want to wanted to confirm that and make sure I was my head wasn't yeah. jacked up here. So. <laughs> All right. So one of the things you mentioned that you'd wanted to talk about was carrier volumes for your sprays yes. mm -hmm. because yeah. you're ninety percent liquid with your program, and as you mentioned earlier, some of your customers, eh, not so great yeah. on the whole. Turn the irrigation thing on to help you out. Watering so, thing, yeah. <laughs> right. What yeah. what's going on with carrier volumes? What play what's playing out in your head right now about where you're at right now, where you think you should be, what kind of equipment you have to be able to deliver on that, all that sort of thing. Well, we got two spray tanks, two skid sprayers. One is a uh high pro D fifty, right? Mm. And then Ooh. a D thirty. <laughs> we got a D thirty mm -hmm. as well. Um, and we're going out usually at three gallons per thousand. But I, for the reason why this was one of the questions that I, I wanted to ask is because I, I really do want to find the most efficient way to do this because I, I do worry, you know, being, I, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome that it's causing me to worry about this shit, but okay. I do worry. I do worry at Taylor? times that, yeah. Okay. Taylor, uh, Beyond carrier volume, I mean, that's not even the right question to ask. My question okay. to you is, what rate of nitrogen are you applying per application? And okay, then let's so, work backwards from 
from there. Okay. So early spring is anywhere. I mean, right off the jump, you're we're maybe at a tenth of a pound. We're coming out at a tenth of a pound, mm-hmm. up to mm-hmm. a quarter of a pound, just 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 depending. Um, once you get to closer to the hotter months, we aren't uh, we cut off in the summer. Pushing. We're not putting out. Yeah, we're not pushing it. And then in the fall, we go up as high as half a pound. Okay. Next question is is that what is your typical nitrogen source? Ammonium sulfate. Ammonium sulfate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Except except in the spring. In the spring, we use urea just because I found it. it, It's a lot. I had issues in the past mixing in prodiamine with ammonium Mm -hmm. sulfate. So we we go out for our first two applications because we do split applications of prodiamine with urea. So, okay. That's fine. That's fine because my general advice to people when they're contemplating spraying applications of nitrogen is I generally want to see a gallon of carrier for every tenth of a pound of in going out. That's generally safe. What, However, what, what rate did you say? Tenth of a pound per gallon carrier. And that oh, is also that's, that's like Super safe. Yeah, that's okay. Super here's safe. one more thing. That, 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 and that is safe. also okay. safe. That's also safe under circumstances where your people do not have irrigation or they're not good about irrigation. Yeah. Because the flip side of this is that if, for example, you know they're going to be irrigating the next day or the next morning, I'm not squeamish about pushing up that app rate to 0.25 pounds per gallon of carrier. I'm not, I have no issues doing it, but if I know somebody don't have water or will not water, then I'm going to play the the safe hand and keep my app rate at one tenth per gallon. Does that help you? And also, you know, to expand on this and provide some nuance, that is if my nitrogen source that I am working with is AMS. Because what I've found over the years is that AMS has the higher burn potential versus 4600 urea. Because if I'm doing no irrigation and spraying out, then yeah. I feel no no issues putting down up to a quarter pound of N as urea per gallon, not watered in. I would have no problem doing that. But if it's AMS, then I'm a little more careful. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And that, that, that was one of the reasons why I mean, this is actually a big question for me. Like this is one of the ones that's constantly weighing on me. And like I said, I... I I don't know if it's – last year we were consistently going out with three gallons per thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to be as efficient as possible and being the first okay. season Let out. Let me stop I, you I there. Yeah. Let me stop you right there is that mm-hmm. unless I have a special reason for doing more, for me a high volume of application is – 
two gallons per thousand. You know, I typically will will go down to two. And if I need to be fast or, you know, time is not on my side, I'll even cut that rate down to a gallon per thousand. With ammonium you know, sulfate. There's a lot of st- even with ammonium sulfate, yeah. I will, I will cut that down yeah. to a, a gallon per thousand. But then you're now, next question is, is how the hell do I lay down a gallon per thousand and, you know, not be inefficient or spotty? Right. Right. That was your, that's probably another one of your questions on the list, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, that, that, that coverage is a huge thing for me. I, I kind of get a little mm-hmm. bit OCD about it. You know, I, I definitely want to have uh, the best coverage you are looking, possible. You're looking yeah, at Mr. Right? Coverage, coverage yeah, Mr. OCD. Cover. You're looking at, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. looking at Mr. OCD about coverage right here. I mean, that's, that's me because yeah. when I'm talking about evenly distributing a gallon per thousand, what I'm looking at is properly calibrated spray nozzles that are laying down that gallon per thousand square foot coverage. And my my normal weapon of choice for that is I can name it something like a T-Jet AI-11004. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On either a boom or else if I'm dealing with these funny lawns where they have a 5,000 square foot property, yet they have 400 square feet here, 250 square feet there, another 500 there, and then finally the backyard opens up to 1,000. Then I have a single fan tip on a wand, and I'm just walking with that guy. And for larger areas, of course, now we're talking about me carrying a little short boom and covering a thousand square feet per minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I need that <laughs> setup. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we yeah. can talk. We can definitely. Yes. We can definitely talk. Yeah. I mean, because uh, yeah. the the thing about doing it this way is, for example, I remember having to spray turf grass at a condominium where they had a combination of little like 250 square foot strips in front of the buildings. And then they gave me these bigger areas that totaled maybe 15 to 20,000 square foot at a time. There's no way in in hell that I would walk 20,000 square feet with one single fan tip. Uh, no, 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 no. When I came to that 20,000 square foot section, I uncoupled my single fan tip and then I clipped on my uh, four nozzle boom. And then here we go, baby. 
thousand square foot a minute. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's do this bastard up. <laughs> Here's the other thing too, is that, you know, you can adjust all of that to your pace, right? Like it, mm-hmm. for me, it was really hard to walk a thousand square feet in a minute because I'm like on a constant state freaking out uh, all the time. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I was more like 1,300 square feet a minute or 1,500 square feet a minute. Um, yes. So I was hauling ass. And, you know, you can you can make adjustments on that. And I think the more okay. you get used to it, even if you get dialed in at 1,000 square foot a minute with the nozzle that you like, um, and, and you'll, prob- you'll probably love the AI nozzles uh, in a boom setup like that. I, but I, I, you may, you may also notice, st- like, I feel like I am crawling across the lawn, my God. Uh, you yeah. Know, okay. your flow rate out of your nozzles. Yeah. Here's, yeah. In that case, this is why people ask me this question, Ray. Why the fudge does T-Jet have all of these different nozzle volumes? Because they ask me, how come it comes? It's all the way down to what is that tenth of a gallon per minute, Matt? All the way up to one point five gallon. It's like, why do they do that? Okay, let me let you guys in on something is that if I know I have one of these intricate jobs where I cannot move fast, what I typically do is I then size down my tip one size. It's a AI-11003, and I move a little slower. However, if I know it's wide open and... I can move as fast as my short little legs carry me. One ten zero four, go because mm. it would be torture if I were to try and spray a half acre parcel with AI one ten zero threes on the boom. That would be tough. That would be like Matt, uh, you know, just kind of slow potting. I mean. I think maybe I can do that if I'm drunk enough. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, but in my height, day, you know, I, I cover a lot of ground really quickly. So, you know, I. So, yeah, and, it, it and depends I'm, on I'm you. Borderline schizophrenic, too. So, you know, it's always like freak out mode. Yeah. 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 Then that, that's where yeah. you, you got to <laughs> kind of figure out. You, you kind of got to figure out now what, you know, your, your walking pace is to get down the gallon per thousand square foot in a reasonable amount of time without rushing, but at the same time yeah. without moving at a snail's pace. I mean, you got to kind of find the balance. And that's why, again, like I've heard from some guys that are in the business, they need the AI-11005 or the AI-11006. But then I look at those guys that say that is it's because they're about six foot plus. They're tall guys. That's why, because they take they cover more ground with each step. Whereas for me, I'm only five foot six. So <laughs> you figure out what I've, happens. Listen, I've used the metronome because I mean that seriously. I I'm similar to you, Matt, to where I, it seriously is a conscious effort to have to walk slow. I mean, it almost, it's almost like it kills me to have to walk slow. So I, uh, there was a couple points last season where I, I seriously I downloaded the Metronome app on my phone and used that to try to slow my pace, which seemed to yep, work Taylor? a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Taylor, I mean, if, if you find that 
you have to slow down deliberately like that. Mm-hmm. That is where we got to talk about, okay, up the size of the tip, period, okay? Right. The size of the tip. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, and then the other thing I do is that once I'm close to my desired, you know, volume per thousand square foot, like plus or minus two tenths of a gallon, that's when, you know, I make fine adjustments with the actual spraying pressure at the tip. That's what I'm doing is that I'm adjusting my spraying pressure so that there's a range at which that tip works properly. And that range is normally between 25 PSI all the way up to 100 PSI. However, for purposes of drift management, I don't like to have my tips cranked up past 60 PSI if I'm working with a material that may be drift sensitive. Right. Where right. if this drifts, I'm going to kill somebody's trees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> so now, okay, now, with tip, now with tip wise, and I've all, so definitely for my non-irrigated lawns, I'm, I'm wanting to stay away from more of the fine mist tips, correct? Yes. Actually, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, it don't matter because you are putting down a set volume of material. But if we're talking about trying to apply concentrated materials to non-irrigated turf grass and we want to minimize leaf contact, mm-hmm. that's where I get different yet again. And I have a special tip for that. I use air-inducted flood jet nozzles. Hmm. And the reason why I use an air-inducted flood jet is an air-inducted flood jet puts large drops spaced far apart. And because the drops are so large, leaf contact is greatly reduced versus a conventional fan tip. So it depends on the application again. but right. you know, for most purposes, Ray, my when... daily driver. Yes, yes, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah, you finish my, your thought. For most, yeah, for most purposes, my daily driver, be it irrigated or not irrigated, is the air inducted flat fan. That's my daily driver primary tip. Although I have a facility on my boom where I can turn the you know turn it. And select another tip easily. <laughs> wow! Is there ever a time that you reach for a uh, a shower head? Only me or Ray? when oh, okay. me Ray. me. Only time I've done that, Matt, is when I've had to shoot twenty to fifty gallons per thousand square foot into trees or shrubs as a drench. That's the only time I've ever done it. So, like, when somebody asks me to apply, like, a soil amendment or a liquid fertilizer to a bed of uh, trees, then it's like, okay, I'll stick that Kimlaw nozzle at the end of my uh, wand. And it's like, okay, here we go. Five gallons per minute. Send it. (laughs) And Uh, the whole thing is uh, about that. 
fan tip and why I'm attached to that fan tip is because I have all of these turf grass areas that are surrounded by plant material that should not be contacted by what I'm applying, especially if that material that I'm applying happens to be a herbicide. People won't like the idea of me making a little mistake or a miscue, and I've just flicked drops of uh, broadleaf herbicide over their flowers or their shrubs. Yeah. yeah. You know, that would, that would not work well. So I like the control that a flat fan tip that I'm not swinging gives me. Okay. Okay. So real okay. quick, real fast, uh, I know we're kind of in a, no, you're a good. time crunch. Um, so when I use feature as my micronutrient. Um, okay. So is there a specific, I'm, I'm going for the most optimum carry, carrier rate for everything, but specifically for feature, is there, is there a better carrier rate for feature? One to two gallon a per gallon. thousand. Yeah. And whatever spray apparatus you use to apply that feature, mm -hmm. ideal is smaller droplets that stick to the right. okay. turf leaves. So like, for example, if I needed to make feature give me the most greening, I wouldn't reach for that air-inducted flood jet tip. Right. I would be okay. doing it through my regular air inducted flat fans and just applying at a gallon per thousand, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for also, sure it does. I mean, that's how I do it in my, on my home lawn. So. Okay. And then one more point is that also when we're talking about PGR, like we're talking about applying Trinexapac or a new, mm -hmm. that's when you kind of want something like that air inducted flat pen tip because that's going okay. to afford you the best leaf coverage you know out of all those tips okay the it, yeah and and the difference between if you're using an ai nozzle and just a regular flat fan which is going to give you a much you know truer ultra fine droplet size mist are you going to be able to see a visual difference between that and an AI flat van nozzle? No, you're not. Okay. Uh, I'm going to also kind of cut, cut into that too, Matt, in that with the regular fine, ultra fine flat fan nozzle, what a lot of people run into as their issue is that that mist that comes from that yeah, they don't even regular hit the, flat They don't even fan, hit the plant, period. It's so fine that it doesn't <laughs> even hit the turf. It blows, yeah, that, that stuff right. blows away before it even, right. you know, hits the ground whereas a lot of people have told me they go to that ai fan tip even though the droplets are at least two times as large as a conventional straight cut fan they tell me there's a huge difference in coverage for them because now the majority of what they're applying even lands on the grass versus whereas when they were using the regular non-air inducted fan tip hey my shit is blowing away and you know when i'm teaching people here in, in my community about applications you know what i tell them to bring this point home i tell them okay i don't care if you don't care about spray drift but look at it this way you see all that spray drift that's your money blowing away yeah 
Yeah. You might as yeah. well open your wallet to the wind and let, let all your hundreds go. Your money's right. going away. <laughs> the yep. best non 24D herbicide options. Um, we, we, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, New Farm, in my opinion, leads the pack on this. Uh, they, and if you, if you, if you go to their website, you'll see that, hang on, let me, let me actually do this. I'm going to go to new farm us and then go Mm -hmm. to turf and ornamental. And, uh, and then if you go down to products, uh, and then, Lawn care solutions and then view all. They'll, they'll list them here, right? So, um, and in fact, in a lot of these, they actually state they are uh, 24D free. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. That makes it easy. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so, you because... know, cool power is one, horsepower is another one. Uh, you can do Quincept, but I wouldn't worry too much about that. Change up is cool a good power, one. Right? Uh-huh. Cool power. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool power. power. Is that... Right. Yep, cool power is cool a good power. one. Change up is is a great one as well too. Um, and then uh, it's uh, change up. Uh, change up does not have. Uh, yes, it does have dicamba. Let me okay. hang on. Let me make a point to you about dicamba real quick. Is that mm-hmm. the concentration of dicamba that you're going to see in products that are labeled for lawn and turf is not yeah. going to be one of those drift issues that you see in bands uh, yeah. cited in the, in the right. Syngenta lawsuits. Yeah. Dicamba sounds mm-hmm. scary because you see it in the news all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. But in, in terms of the concentration that you have in here, you're not applying four pounds of di- dicamba per gallon. Uh, like you see on that. If, if that was, if that was where you were going with your question. Yeah, okay. no, I was just wondering. I, I, yeah, go ahead. Because here, here's the thing, Taylor, is that, you know, if your dicamba, is in a reduced comp- concentration and as part of a three or four or five way mix with other herbicides, you know, that is specifically exempt from the bans and restrictions that you hear about on the news because I got to tell you exactly what they're talking about on the news is that in agriculture, there are literally products that the growers are using that are literally like 45% dicamba. Okay, they're 45% dicamba and the typical use rate on that product is, oh, let's see, 16 to 48 ounces per acre. Can you see how that could go badly? And uh, <laughs> yeah, because I can yeah. tell you right Volatize. now, yeah. no, you and in a lawn situation, you would mm-hmm. never apply that much dicamba per no. acre in a lawn because here's what I'm going to tell you what will happen if you did. If anybody had trees in that lawn, Bye-bye. just those trees goodbye. Aloha. Yeah. Aloha. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, but then point is, is that, you know, what Matt was saying is that in something like change up, the amount of dicamba applied mm-hmm. is minimal and non-hazardous. Okay. So a change I up, I have a new change up. Yeah. <laughs> but then 
that would be something to consider because yeah. if I'm not mistaken, Changeup has particularly good activity on clover. Okay. Yeah. Changeup will devastate clover. Your other okay. low cost option for clover is good old triclopyr. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to be simple and easy in a Kentucky bluegrass and fescue lawn, mm -hmm. imagine applying in one of your spring rounds, imagine including 16 to 32 ounces of triclopyr in your spring round per yeah. acre. Yeah. I mean, and that would probably be done for like things like clover, you know, ground ivy, violet, dandelion, that would be all be gone. Yeah. And it would be fairly economical. Yeah. yeah for because sure. I like uh I like triclopyr fluoroxapyr combinations, but it's hard to find that as a singular product. Typically they have two four D in it, mm -hmm. but uh those uh, I, I do I do like Matt, how well uh those work together. Okay. Didn't there used Here's to the be thing. just a triclopyr fluoroxapyr? Here, no, Matt, but I remember seeing this is that Cortiva has a product called Vista. And Vista is straight fluoroxapyr. So if somebody yeah, 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 yeah. wanted to apply label rate of triclopyr plus label rate of fluoroxapyr, can you say triclopyr plus Vista? And I can imagine that being absolutely devastating to most broadleaf weeds. Devastating. And here's my little thing about 2,4-D. As a herbicide, the only thing that 2,4-D has going for it is that it's cheap. Yeah. That's the only thing I can say good about it. I yeah. can say a lot of not so good about it, <laughs> including poor efficacy on your worst weeds like clover and violet and ground ivy. I mean, that's my, yeah. that's my minus against those kind of... Uh, and those are big hitters around here. That's that's what you see most of around here in my area is the wild violet, mm -hmm. the clover, the oh, ivy. Yikes. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah so all of that aside aside from you know, wild violet, you know, your your cool power, your change up are gonna be great on it. Uh again with violet, that's that's gonna be one of those things you, you gotta get aggressive in the fall and then you know carry over the spring to, be, to make it happen. Yeah, you gotta just be, due to the how intense of a uh, uh, root system that has to, in an effort yeah. to take it out. Because mm -hmm. Matt, I think for, you know, violet, recommended protocol is probably triclopyr towards the fall. Mm -hmm. That would be the, your best bet if you want to eradicate violet is, and one more little thing I'm going to give you on violet and clover particularly, is I think, Matt, you and I have talked about this many times, is that, if violet and clover are your weed issues, your actual herbicide program looks more like quinclorac plus triclopyr. Sure. Yep, yep, that's that, that was yep. our that was our combo last season. <laughs> yeah, so, I never, yeah. I've never had issues with with anything that, that required uh, quinclorac aside aside from uh, 
uh, violet and you know i've done variations of different shit with it but uh you know a uh I liked four speed XT. It's a two, four D product, but I sprayed a lot of four speed XT and I would, you know, use quinclorac with that. And that was always, you know, highly effective on, uh, yeah. on violet and on warm season grass, little quinclorac, uh, Celsius combination was a good one too, but you definitely can't spray Celsius. Uh, yeah. how to get better <laughs> pricing on my products. Huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's so it's a big one. Yeah. It's a big one. And this is, it's, it's going to be tough for you that is not in a, in a volume situation, right? So you're, you're negotiating power is going to decrease significantly, but, uh, there's a couple of different things that, that you can use to your advantage is, uh, is one is not, uh, not using terms or credit to buy, uh, you know, you know, put it all on like a credit card and pay it off on that. If you've got a good rate on a credit card or whatever, Um, uh, but if you're using, you know, like say you're buying from, from site one and you've got John Deere financial credit and, uh, and you know, you get whatever they give you 90 day terms or 120 day terms, whatever it is, uh, not doing that and taking advantage of that cash discount. And I can't remember what it is. I think it's, uh, 7% or 5% if you pay cash up front, that would be one thing. Um, the other thing too would be, um, if you you're in champagne right so you're you're going to be in ag country um there are some yeah. ag distributors that carry turf labels uh and it's just because of the generic they're carrying it is is going to be extended over um double check it though double check and make sure it has because what where, where you can get into a shitty situation real quick you shop at an ag distributor you say i want florox beer they sell you florox beer you're mm-hmm. spraying it uh, inspector stops you and you're like, well, I got Florox beer. I mean, it's Florox beer was labeled for turf. Like, yeah, it is. But this product that you have is not labeled for turf, right? It's like Liberty. And what, what do they spray Liberty on? Soybeans. Uh, soybeans. Okay. And, Liberty uh, is soybeans, corn, potatoes, uh, and cotton. However, uh-huh. Matt, the problem is, is that under no circumstances do you bring Liberty into turf grass landscape or industrial non-crop areas because you are in violation of the label that's only for field crops liberty is only for field crops and and then then that's my point you know and it's it's glufosinate right which is uh is is going to be the same thing as uh cheetah pro uh which is label for lawns and uh yeah, or finale. And so, you know, you're like, well, I mean, it's the same thing. I'm using it. Glufosinate's no, it ones. Why can't I do it? No, it ain't. Oh, well, no, then, it's not. Here, Taylor, is where you being in an egg area, though, you can leverage something else where, to me, my greatest expense or cost wouldn't be on my herbicides. It would be, you know what's more expensive for me? Fertilizer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Fertilizer is the is a one, but then you know what your advantage is? You are not messing around with stuff that is labeled for application to turf. What you're looking for is raw AMS and yeah. raw 4600. And by the way, yeah. I can tell you that a lot of the turf places actually don't routinely deal with AMS or straight. No, they don't. No, they so, don't. You know we, we went through hell you know last year. Yeah. So you know what you do? 
You go hit all of your egg guys. You hit your egg guys because the egg guys, you want a ton of AMS. They got it. You want yeah, the hard part just with ag is getting it in 50 pound bags, right? And uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times they're not going to want to do that. You sometimes you can get it in a bulk bag, have fun toting around and shoveling out of a, a, a 2,000 pound super sack, <laughs> you know, for every application. <laughs> Don't do it. Everyone gets that wild yeah. hair up their ass once. Uh, and then after that one time, they're like, yeah, probably, probably not the best idea. I don't right. want to do that ever again. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. but the, um, uh, yeah, in, uh, you know, Evie's saying the spray grade in 51 pound bags, you'll see that too, where they'll sell it as a spray adjuvant, ammonium sulfate yeah. in 51 pound bags. And a lot of times ag retailers will carry that. Uh, and uh, again, it's, if you're, if you're shopping at Helena, you're going to be pretty, pretty like you, it's going to be hard to find someone to outcompete you on a commodity price on that. Right. Like Helena is a very, very low margin, very high, high, uh, high volume, volume. Uh, type of distributor. Right. And, uh, and you know, you can, and I'm, I'm not shitting on Helena. I mean, it's a great company, but point no. being is that a lot of times you see a lot of turnover in, um, in their, in their rep positions because they have to maintain a very large book of business in order to be profitable for the company just because the model is yeah. low margin, high volume. Right. And, uh, right. so if you're, if you're already shopping at Helena, chances are you being able to, to bounce around and, and save a few bucks here and there is going to be really, really hard. L- let me ask where, where are you blowing? Where do you, where do you feel like you're losing? I was going to say blowing the most money, but where do you, yeah. where do you feel like you could button up the most? What what product is it? Is it seed? Is it uh, pesticides? Is it fur? Where at? Uh, fertilizer, and then I mean, really, I'm kind of it. Feature is really what pulls. I mean, I think that's the more expensive. Um, so for me, let's 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 have an honest conversation about that. Okay, you are you are making foliar applications of micronutrients, right? Right. Why, why apply something that is soil, soil soluble if you're making foliar applications? Well, I mean, that was the, I mean, that's one of those things. It's like where there are times where I want to go out at three gallons per thousand, you know what I mean? With the feature non-foliar. And I, that's why I was asking earlier, like, what is a good, like you if can, I am soil can, drenching. If you, if you, all right, here, here, the, the, you can apply sulfate and micronutrients at three gallons per thousand, no problem. And, uh, okay. and you're going to elicit all the plant response you want. The, okay. the only time you need to be careful with that is if, uh, if your tank mixing it with a bunch of herbicides. Um, but I would say that in the season that you're applying that typically you're going to be spot spraying weeds anyway, uh, just because, you know, yeah. the majority of your weed control is going to be accomplished in the spring and fall. And, uh, and you don't need right. to, uh, worry so much about, uh, uh, weed pressure then you know, you could uh, you can literally grab your backpack and go spray five six weeds or whatever and, and be done with it right and then save your actual you know walk the lawn application you know your blanket application for for fertility uh the great thing about ammonium sulfate in that situation uh even urea is that uh with those two uh it is not going to counteract basically any of the sulfate and micronutrients that you choose to put in the tank um, you know, where, you know, and I, I, I don't know what a cost per pound right now on, on feature is, but, um, you know, like, you know, fair sulfate on a cost per pound, you know, we'll say it costs a dollar a pound, 
Actually, less than that, Matt. Way less, less than that. Way, way less than that. Way less than that. Let me think right now. I pay in bulk uh, 23 cents a pound for ferrous sulfate. I, that's what I figured, is that it was like less than a dollar a pound. And here's the thing about ferrous sulfate. If you're doing ferrous sulfate, we're looking at one to two ounces per thousand square foot of ferrous sulfate. And that is eminently compatible with something like urea or ammonium sulfate. The only time that I find that feature has the special advantage is if you need to tank mix with herbicides or if. Okay. You're in my situation, and I literally need to be feeding that lawn with 111 instead of just nitrogen. Yes, mm. because phosphorus specifically phosphorus. is not going to play with sulfate and micronutrients, right? So if it, you're dissolving yeah, you're make map a... in your tank and then, and then you dump in a bunch of ferrous sulfate, you are going to call us cussing us for not warning you about that as you yeah. dig out, you know, 200 gallons Brick. out of your spray tank. Yeah, and it's yeah. not, it's not going to be fun. Um, gonna, the ferrous sulfate would is, is is really in my situation um, sounds like that might be the the better alternative. Yeah, and if yeah. you don't want to dissolve it in your tank, you can dissolve it in jugs and then meter it into your tank based on the weight that you dissolve into the into the jug. Understand that there's going to be a saturation point. Um, the other thing too, you know, manganese sulfate, uh, uh, zinc sulfate. You know, you can you can get all those. Zinc sulfate's fairly expensive. But it's nothing compared to zinc EDTA or zinc EDDHA. And, it, uh, and to explain yeah. it from a manufacturing perspective, like these are the steps that that make it so expensive, right? Is you can't start with ferrous sulfate and then add something to make an EDDHA, right? It's a multi-step process. So, like with iron, you have to convert an iron two, which is you, you know a bivalent uh, iron molecule, to an iron three molecule, and then you have to sequester it with either EDTA or EDDHA or one of your chelates, glucohepinate, doesn't matter. So you have a three-part manufacturing step, and then you have the added cost of converting a two to a three, and then the sequestering or chelate chelating agent, right? So. It's uh, and and the cost of chelating agents is going to increase as you increase pH stability too, right? So, it's it's uh, it's significantly more expensive because of the manufacturing steps to get it there, uh, and then if you have to dehydrate it into a powder, then that means you have to spray dry it. And if you're taking something that is a hundred percent liquid and you have to drive off. 100% moisture or 99.8% moisture. Um, imagine the amount of heat and pressure it takes to atomize that in order to quickly dry it at a scale that makes sense to be able to sell it at a price that, you know, some people can afford, right? So it is, uh, it's, it's difficult in, in that sense to, uh, to just include it as part of the program, um, uh, unless you know you've got you've got really really strong margins baked into it because uh, it's it's an incredibly expensive expensive product. You know, Evie's saying you know as far as you know color holding off, uh, color fall, falling off a little bit faster. You are going to see a stronger color response from ferrous sulfate, and you probably will see a dip in color a little bit quicker. Here's a trick. Uh, don't tell anybody I told you this. 
cut cut your your uh, your feature rate by uh, by about uh, 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 four fifths, right? So you're going to do one fifth of your normal uh, feature rate, and then add in uh, the rest of it as ferrous sulfate, and then watch what happens. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, a bit yeah. more performance out of it than what you anticipate because okay. feature yeah. is actually okay. very very completely chelated. They actually do a very, very good job of that chelation. There are some other EDDHAs on the market that I've seen that is not completely chelated. And the reason why I know is that I've mixed, mixed it with phosphorus and it fell out. And, uh, and that's always okay. the first thing I do to test the, the quality of a chelate, right? And when it is mm-hmm. strongly chelated like that and you, you, you buffer it with a, with a little bit of additional uh, ferrous sulfate, you see, it tends it tends to get a little bit of uh, synergy out of it. Again, this is anecdotal, but uh, I okay. highly recommend you try it and just see if you don't okay. notice the same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's, yeah, here's sure. the thing. Here's the thing that I can tell you guys about doing that kind of a mix. I've done mixes as rich as this. Imagine half of my normal amount of feature, and then. Add one more part of manganese sulfate to it, and then one more part of ferrous sulfate to it. So, for example, say my original mix was two ounces of feature. Okay, I'll keep the two ounces of feature. Then I'll apply another ounce of ferrous, and then another ounce of manganese sulfate and by the way the reason for doing this of course is because i'm dealing with turf grass that's obviously got a micronutrient issue it's obvious that it's a micronutrient issue but then if i'm just doing feature for improved color and it's not an actual micronutrient or soil issue then you don't i don't think you even need to apply very high rates because, and the other thing too is that if you are dealing with a situation where it's more maintenance rather than remedial or corrective, then maybe explore the idea of say, oh, do ounce of feature plus another ounce of ferrous. And yeah, and being pro- being bluegrass, I w- I would probably actually steer you a, a little bit more towards manganese, right? And uh, and mm-hmm. because of the effect and and weirdness that goes on with manganese and su- summer patch and Kentucky bluegrass, uh, it's a positive, right? So uh, for whatever reason, there's either corollary or direct data that shows uh, manganese uh, t- uh, tissue concentrations of manganese over a certain point will suppress. Uh, 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 summer patch in Kentucky bluegrass. So, um, and, and it's not one of those things. More is better. It's you know just using the appropriate rate. And if you type in uh into into the Google foo manganese uh, summer patch Kentucky bluegrass, you'll see recommended rates. And I think uh, you know hedging your micronutrient concentration that way. It's not to say skip on the others by any means, uh, but you can reduce your rates of others. You know, show a little favoritism towards the manganese during your uh, your summer patch season. Kind of capitalize on the benefit you get from that, right? And it may be a little bit inverted where you're applying a bit more manganese than you are in iron, but you're doing that with purpose, and the purpose being 
summer patch mitigation as you know a part intention. of intention. Yeah, that, that's yeah. That, that would be that would be the intention because for cases where we're trying to <laughs> mitigate or reduce summer patch and necrotic ring spot in Kentucky Blue, you're looking at literally a target amount of say up to eight ounces of manganese sulfate per thousand square foot per year. That's your target. And so if you can slip that in an ounce or two at a time per thousand square foot, then that's an effective application that you can be doing, you know, throughout the season. And the other benefit or beauty of doing that is manganese is actually the factor that gives grass that nicer color. Because, you know, to my eyes, my cataract-riddled eyes, what I see out of a manganese application is this beautiful, almost blue color. That's what I get when I've hit sufficient manganese in the fertility program. It's a beautiful color. It's, it's different from iron, and it's a different color from nitrogen as well. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, you just said something that I remembered in the beginning is that a lot of the turf that you take care of is Kentucky blue. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if the majority of your turf is KBG, then, yeah, maybe it's time for you to kind of go towards a more custom mix that's more manganese forward. And by the way, okay. here's what I know about manganese sulfate. Manganese sulfate from a fertilizer dealer is probably about, I want to say, 50 to $60 for a 50-pound bag. It's not yeah. that bad. Yeah, I think, you know I I think when I buy it by the 50-pound bag, I think I pay like 65 FOB, so plus freight, you know, and uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty damn affordable when you're using an ounce of it at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An ounce, ounce per thousand. I mean, and and this is where I'm going to tell you right now that you know when you're talking about running a premium program at a premium price, Taylor, mm -hmm. you fudge well had better make your lawns look greener and better than everybody else's using other companies. You better. Because yep. what will otherwise happen is people are going to look at their lawn and then they're going to look at the neighbor and then they're going to find out from the neighbor how much the neighbor pays and then they're going to be mad at you because, yeah. hey, paying you more, yet their lawn is not greener and better than the neighbor who's paying for that minimal high-volume lawn care program. Be careful yeah. because... You know, I'm already getting this idea that you're trying to set yourself apart and get paid more than everybody else. But then the other side of that is, is that the way to get that and justify that to your clientele is you've got to then start looking at all of these kind of things like a optimized nutrient program that is different from 
just your typical program where they're just throwing out plenty of nitrogen, maybe a little bit of token iron, but then they're missing the point and they're not getting the results. I mean, you got to set yourself apart in that case. Right. Yep. Agree. All right. Agree. Now, that, now that Ray has uh, brain dumped on you uh, everything that has <laughs> possibly come to his mind, you have to take a test on it. Are you ready? We're going to quiz you. Yeah. Turning your camera on was just the warm up. Yeah, for sure. I, I, and I appreciate it, Ray. I'm probably going to have to watch this episode like six times. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he's actually getting out of lawn care now. He just got out lawn yeah. care. And, uh, he's like, I'm done. I'm done. He's going to go apologize to his wife and family and be like, I'm, I can't believe I can't oh, sure. that. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, do you actually, have any Taylor, other questions you... before we wrap yeah. up here? Oh, man. Listen, I, I could talk your guys' ears off for for days. Okay, um, then but... We'll do this. We'll we'll take yeah. it. We'll take it to the after show and uh, and we'll keep going there. We don't we don't we're not going to have uh, too much uh, tomfoolery going on there. So if you if you're cool yeah. with that. We'll hop over there for, yeah, for a few sure. minutes, I got some time. and then we, we can chat a little loose over there and uh, uh, let, let the language get a little flowery. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing, please understand this will be adults having adult conversation. There might be a bad word, too. There there could be some real honest uh, freakouts. Who knows? I, I have I have no idea. The NSA is probably listening to our conversation. The CIA, FBI, EPA, <laughs> DEA. Uh, uh, who, uh, ATF? They will. They will all be there. We've got guns, bombs, <laughs> drugs. You name it. It's it's probably a part of the after show. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash burner return. You'll find the instructions on how to make it. Otherwise, we will see y'all on the flip side. Bye. The Alphabet Boys are back. <laughs> <laughs>